Welcome to the EMT Pro Podcast, where we deliver relevant EMS content from the field in the classroom each week. Each episode of this podcast can get you one full hour of continuing education through our partner, emt-ce.com. So head over there for more information. So super excited about today's uh, episode. We've got a really fun topic. And before we get into that, I'm going to introduce uh, my two guests, co-host Dan. Dan, say hi. Hello, everyone. And we've got Holly back for episode five, I think, Ron. So uh, Holly, say hi. Hello. Holly, you're basically a uh, contributing you know, co-host to this at this point because two out of five episodes, that's like 40%. So <laughs> you're um, you're in. More than just the peanut gallery at this right. point. Right, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so today we are talking about a really fun topic that I want to make a series on with this podcast. And today we're going to talk about that crazy call I had, dot, dot, dot. And today's topic is going to be cardiac-related topics. And so I know we've got some fun cases to go over and I want, as the one of the three of us are talking, I want you guys to be peppering the other t- uh, the other two people to be peppering the person with questions and getting clarification because this is there's going to be some crazy stuff talked about today. Okay. And I want to I want to get your guys' input and see uh, what you're thinking because this is going to be this is going to be a lot of fun. Let's just get right into it. I'll start out with my call, and uh, you guys hit me with whatever questions you have because this one's pretty nuts. Okay. I'm excited. All right. So this was, oh man, this must have been at least seven or eight years ago now, but it's that one call when we're talking about uh, crazy cardiac related topics that come up drinking beers or having coffee with your crew or whatever it is. Um, for me, this is one of those calls that instantly comes to mind because there were just so many crazy underlying factors that came into play with this one. So it's not necessarily that the call was complex or anything like that as far as, you know, treatment, but it's just nuts. So we'll just get into it. So we're dispatched for a person down, uh, possible breathing difficulty. And we're going to a rural part of our district. Uh, the area that I serve is, uh, you know, a few hundred square miles. Uh, we do some longer transports, um, and we're fire-based EMS, right? So we do Fire calls on a fire engine, fire truck, uh, medical calls on an ambulance. We just take whatever rig we need for the call. So you're on the ambulance now, and you're responding with mm-hmm. a, a neighboring fire department? Responding with a neighboring fire department, QRT. Okay. And I've got a crew of three, including myself, and three medics on my crew, which was nice, and going to an area that only has EMT basics. Okay. So as we're going out there, we're kind of thinking – Okay, this is this sounds kind of ho hum, you know, like eh, it's yeah. probably nothing. And we look at the CAD notes. CAD notes are kind of vague, but they're telling us that we're going to what appears to be like a, a group care home or an adult foster care home. Okay, so we're kind of starting to get our minds wrapped around that, you know. In route, we're probably this is about fifteen minutes to get out there. We're about five minutes um, post dispatch, about ten minutes away from the call. They upgraded to cardiac arrest. So QRTs get on scene and they confirm, yep, uh, CPR in progress. Uh, we're doing compressions and uh, that was, I think, pretty much all they gave us in route, which was fine, right? I mean, right. paints a clear enough picture. Right. We're showing up and they're giving us, you know, hey, this is the driveway, you know, all that information. So we've got a long, narrow driveway 
that opens up into a really, really big area where you can like turn vehicles around, you know, it's, um, and then you've got a, a big like four car garage. And then this is actually one of the nicer care homes I'd ever seen, but, uh, a big living area with lots of rooms that opened up to like a field in the back, but we're in the driveway and there's a single vehicle parked in the middle of this driveway. And, uh, the patient is on the ground, uh, just outside the vehicle. So we're watching them do compressions as we're, as we're rolling up narrow, narrow driveway, then bam, like, you know, big open spot, right? So lots of room to work, but the problem, the first problem that we're approached with is they're doing compressions on this guy with no shirt on, on the gravel. So like we've got QRTs kneeling down in gravel, which that can't be comfortable. Right. And then we've got our patient. Who's in the gravel? Yeah, in the gravel, getting you know pounded on with the chest, right? So, trying to hey, uh, you know, first things first, like let's get a backboard underneath this guy so that we, you know, we, we we rolled this guy real quick, and oh my goodness, it was it was nasty. Like back is basically like hamburger, you know, oh. just it just it was gross. So, a couple questions, real quick. Yeah. So, uh, had they are these the type of VMDs? Had, did they apply an AED? Did they shock? They have so they have a life pack. Okay. Um, and so they get, um, they got all that on, they had pads on. Um, so they were, they were doing it. I mean, they weren't, you know, they weren't screwing up. They just, you know, heat of the moment, boom, right. We're doing compressions okay. and here we are in gravel, right? So no big deal. Put a backboard on the guy, keep running the call. Did they extricate him to the driveway? That was kind of one of our questions. Like, you know, how did he get on the ground? Oh, well, it sounds like according to, the one caretaker who's around, who was the guy driving him around to his appointments for that day, says that um, he started feeling what he would describe as really kind of crappy as he was about to end, uh, exit the vehicle and then just slumped down. Oh, gotcha. So sounds like he was kind of up against the car. QRTs pulled him away from the vehicle, started compressions. And how old is the patient? Roughly. In his 50s. 50s. Oh. Yeah. And that hurts. Here's one of the, you know, biggest problems here we've got a middle-aged guy he's developmentally delayed he's got you know a lot of medical issues and he's 550 pounds oh oh cow yeah so he's just a big human right and he i mean we're talking maybe five eight five nine five ten just not very tall so a big amount of weight perfect circle yeah i mean he was basically a sphere like (laughs) you can imagine when you're that large right as you guys have seen that just adds to everything you're dealing with, oh, right? Oh, yeah. So we're, we're not really shocked that this guy's heart's finally given out. But, so they're doing CPR on the gravel. Uh, we get there, you know, we basically are talking to them like, hey, you know, if, what, what do you guys have that you can put under your, your knees, essentially, because, you know, they're these poor dudes are just getting shredded. But, um, so they find some stuff, like they put down some uh, turnout pants, you know, okay. they're fine. Keep going. Looking at the monitor, it's all, you know, it's in pads mode, right? We check all the cables. They're all connected, right? Because that's one of the things that we've, you know, we got to verify. And he's in like a course V-fib. Okay. So, you know, it's a shockable rhythm, shockable right? Shockable rhythm, right. So, um, they're, you know, going through the, so basically what I do at this point, I step back. I've got two, I've have two amazing, competent paramedics who, you know, at any moment would let them treat my family like just awesome humans and very good at their jobs. And 
I step back, they start, you know, handling the hands-on stuff. I'm trying to find this caretaker that I can ask some more questions of because didn't have the full story at this point. So you're PIC, you're running the call. I'm running the call. And so I find this guy, he's, you know, just in a frame of mind that's, you know, he's a little shocked, he's a little freaked out at the moment. And it's kind of the similar story we get at all these facilities, right? Like, hey, I don't know this guy very well, I'm new here. He just showed up a couple days ago. I don't know much about his history, et cetera, et cetera. So you can obviously still tell that he's stressed, you know, given the circumstances. And um, so I asked him, hey, does this facility have a binder on him? You know, because there's always some mm-hmm. right. you know, physical record. Oh, yeah, yeah, let me let me go grab it. So for the time being, give him a task, send him away. So I go check in with the crew, right, to see what what's going on. They've shocked once at this point, um, still in VFib. Uh, not quite as coarse, definitely getting a little finer. Um, ventilating via BVM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So they've got an OPA in and they're ventilating and, uh, they're actively looking for some, I- for some IV sites. This guy's so huge. Uh, EJs are out. Nothing on ar- arms, hands. Um, IOs. they're looking at IO. too much, too much well, tissue. They're looking at the feet and they missed twice on IVs. So we're going IO route, right? Like, hey, we gotta, do, we gotta do IO. That's, that's what this guy needs. So my close buddy Gabe is one of the the medics with me, and um, he's getting frustrated because he'd missed a couple IVs, right? And that's just not him. Like he's not Gabe, right? He definitely uh, takes pride in in being a very good IV start. We have our discussion on the IO, and our system has the easy IO guns. Um, We don't do the uh, sternal ones anymore. We move to the the guns, and. we begin cutting his pant legs to check for a sight. So super hairy dude, um, we get the razor out, and as they're shaving the leg, we see what we think is like a faint zipper line. And we're like, oh, crap. The guys, as we look at it more, obviously had a, a full knee replacement. Okay, well, dang. So um, about this time, caretaker pokes his head out and says that he had found the binder. I'm like, hey, awesome. Um, look back at the crew. They're moving back to the right leg now to check that one. And I asked this caretaker, hey, did he have a left knee replacement? Um, looks like he's got a scar there. And um, he starts flipping through the binder pages. So they got the gun out. They're about to drill the right leg. And he shouts, oh, it says uh, both knees have been replaced. Okay. Wow. All right. You got to be kidding me. So uh, he's, he starts reading it. Left knee five years ago and right knee eight years ago. Oh, no, nine years ago. Okay. This guy's got some, some issues, right? And, uh, so we're, okay, no problem. We'll just move, move to, uh, distal tibia. We look at each other and we, it, we had this moment though, like on scene, like I'm looking at him, he's looking at me and we're just like, you've got to be kidding. Like everything about this call just seems to be not this guy's day, right? Every every intervention we're trying right. to make just isn't working out. So we moved to distal tibia because that's one of the sites that we have in our protocols. And um, <laughs> I can't, I, I still can't believe this when I think about it. So um, I'm asking this guy, hey, can you just start reading out some of his um, some of his history? So we're looking at the basically the ankle area, right? And um, he goes, all right, yeah, uh, let's see. You know, appendicitis this year, you know, just a bunch of random stuff. He's got heartburn. He's got, you know, depression, anxiety, all this stuff. 
and it looks like he has uh, double ankle fusions. <laughs> no way. Like, no freaking way. So, okay, well, I guess we'll we'll go humeral head, right? Because we have the, the yellow right. IO needles for the obese patients, and this was going to be tapping out that right. yellow needle for sure. Right. I mean, this was, it just, yeah. We, uh, we moved, and I'm trying not to laugh. We moved to the, the humeral head and are checking out, checking out, you know, in this fine V-fib, all, all we can do is comp- do compressions and and uh, and shock every you know two minutes or so. And this guy shouts out, "Oh, I'm pretty sure his left his left shoulder isn't good." Okay, hey, what what, is, what does that mean? And he's like, "Okay, hang on." And he's flipping through the pages, flipping through the pages, because this guy has a binder, right? Like a, a thick binder of crap. And he goes, "Oh, um, it, both shoulders have been completely replaced." So this dude is like a walking bionic man, right? Like every joint is like, <laughs> you know, metal. And we're like, okay, well, at this point, we're so like hit with all these bad news things, right? And it's just a bad scenario in front of us. That we, we're we kind of coming to the conclusion like this is just this guy's day and there's nothing that we're going to do to to make it better. What do you do as a medic when all else fails? Call online medical control, right? <laughs> a bit of background is our online medical control is just awesome. Like we, we work with some really great doctors in, in our area and they're very pro EMS. They help us. They help train. They are involved and a bunch of great people. Get one of them on the phone and I'm giving the doc kind of the story about what's going on and he's like laughing at me, like, you've got to be kidding. No way. And so I'm, I'm fighting this urge to like, not just like keep BSing with the guy. Right. Because, you know, I kind of want to be like, yeah, you, you wouldn't believe this. So this, <laughs> then we get to the leg and then this, and then this I'm talking to, um, talking to the doc, uh, kind of wrapping up the conversation and we're kind of heading towards, you know, we're just going to basically call it cause there's nothing else we can do for this guy. And at this point, the rhythm's getting worse and worse and worse, right? Pretty much asystolic at this point. And right as I'm about probably 15 or 20 seconds from hanging up the phone, Gabe shouts, I got an IV. And I look, I look over and I'm like, what, what do you, what do you mean you got an IV? Like we, you know, he, and, and he's, he's got this like shitty grin on his face, right? Just super happy, like, I got it, you know, like I knew I was going to get it, you know, like it was like a point of pride for him. <laughs> Doing chest bobs. Yeah, exactly. So I look over and I walk up a little, and he's, he's got a 22 gauge IV in this guy's like lateral chest armpit region. Like just, it's like, no, dude, that's not an IV. That's just a very thin straw in some fat. Like there's no way that that thing's good. He draws back. This thing draws back. Like we're like. Crap. Okay. So it's good. And so I'm, I'm on the phone with the doc still and he's like, did he really get one? I go, yeah, it, it's a patent IV. And he's like, okay, no problem. Run one, run one quick round of epi and then we're going to call this thing and we're done. So, okay. Yeah. No problem. So I tell Gabe, hey, doc says, you know, give a milligram of epi like we normally would and, uh, we're going to call it. We're trying to talk a little bit in, uh, right. Uh, Non-verbals, right? Because we don't want the caretaker to right. hear exactly what we're saying at this point. Yep. Okay, so I go over and um, I'm sitting next to the caretaker because I'm kind of putting together, 
the story I'm going to tell him about. You did everything you could. You did everything right. You know, I'm trying to think about dosing out the bad news like we're told in school, right? Like to give him a, let him down easy because uh, this is not going to go well. <clears throat> and I'm still on the phone with the doc and uh, Gabe pushes the epi and within 30 seconds I hear, hey, wait, stop. Check, check the rhythm. You have pulses? Yeah, I've got pulses. <laughs> One round of epi after like being on scene 20 minutes at this point, gets a pulse and a pressure back, an organized rhythm, and I'm still on the line with the doc. And he says, you're f***ing kidding me. Like, just, <laughs> just, like, he's he's pissed at this point. Like, he was thinking, like, okay, sweet, you know, right. quick phone call. He's not showing up my ER, and now it's, we're headed your way, right? So I said, doc, pulse is this, the pressure is this. And we'll see in 15 minutes. And uh, he's like, he's still cussing. He's like, yeah, fine. See ya. You know, <laughs> just just short and like, you know, it was no longer buddy-buddy at that point. Like right. it was all business and you're ruining my day kind of thing. We keep this guy's pulse and pressure all the way to the hospital. So how, how did the load go? Yeah, good question. Good question. So we had um, a double backboard situation going. Where we put two, yeah, not not recommended. It was a little slippery. Is it like I no, no, because they tried to pick up one and it bent. So oh, we're like, okay. so that they're stacked on yeah, top of each other. Mm-hmm. Okay. So okay. they're stacked on top of each other. Yeah, not uh, not not side by side, side by side or front and back. Uh, bends one, obviously, and they'll tell you backboards are not lifting devices, right? Right. So uh, double backboard, get him on the gurney with gosh, everybody that we could, you know. I think eight people had their hands on this thing at some point, you know, getting him on. And here's the the bigger problem. He doesn't fit on the gurney, right? I mean, he's he's flopping off of it. No pun know? intended. Right. I mean, it's <laughs> he 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 can't he can't fit on it. And so, uh we had put a blanket on the bottom and we had wrapped it, you know, kind of like burrito wrap him a little bit and then tied it so that it contained mm-hmm. his tissue. And that kind of helped, but it wasn't ideal. As I'm speaking today, we have these like wings on our gurney that uh-huh. fold up and they really do a good job of right. increasing your surface area that you can contain a human in. And, uh, I keep doing this motion with my arms like you guys can see it, but you totally can't. <laughs> so we load him up, we take him, it, the, the transport's really uneventful. It's just monitoring this guy. So he stayed in Ross the whole he time. He stayed in Ross the whole time. What was his airway like? That was the other question we had, right? Because this is your super crazy difficult airway. Because all the tissue, uh, he had a beard, you know. It just oh. it was it was all over the place. This guy was a, a train wreck in many many ways. So we're having this discussion. We have been bagging for you know twenty five minutes with no problems, and even with the beard. Yeah, yeah. We had two people on it nice. pulling in. I mean, it was it was. Definitely taxing on these, you know, guys' hands. But uh, we bring a couple people with us from the QRTs. They come up with us. So we had some extra hands. And in case we need to do CPR and route, because that would have been a bummer. Yeah. I mean, the airway, we had this conversation of we're winning right now. Mm-hmm. We can either mess with things and go down the RSI route. <clears throat> or we can throw in a king. Or we can basically what we ended up doing was putting in a, a King Airway, 
and uh, we gave him basically just some Versed and kept him, you know, sedated, mm-hmm. and that was it. Um, we didn't do we we. Our thought was he's so frail right now. If we give him a bunch of, you know, RSI drugs, he's going to code mid RSI. Exactly. That was our exactly, thought. Exactly. Yeah. We give him the the Versed. He seems comfortable. I think we even did some pain management because that's, you know, as you guys know, always a good thing to do. We get to the ER, like the hospital entrance, right? So we're coming up the the hill to the hospital and we lose his pulse. So, of course, (laughs) at least that's what I always tell him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we are pulling the ambulance bay. We're doing compressions and uh, it felt like... um, were you guys ever big ER fans back in the day? Yeah. Oh man, I used to like buy the seasons I of that loved show. It. I loved it. Dr. Mark Green. I mean, oh, yeah. Man crush. Anywho, total the man crush. <laughs> you should have seen. Yeah, it's Steve's eyes right there. <laughs> I know, <they> got big. <laughs> yeah. He was so talented. He was a great doctor that he played. Dreamy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. George Clooney was on that show too. <laughs> it's like this scene out of ER. You know, we come wheeling in. We got the dude doing compressions while standing on the side of the rail as we're, you know, wheeling in. And I make eye contact with the doc that you had talked to, that I had talked to right. on the phone. And he just looks like he wants to wring my neck. Like, are you freaking kidding me, Steve? Like, he's just so disappointed in me. Like, I let <laughs> dad down, you know? You're grounded. Yeah. I, I literally thought I was going to, you know, lose privileges that weekend. And, um, <laughs> I walk in, I tell him the story, and he's like, yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. He pushes another round of epi, nothing happens, and he says, "Any other? anyone else see a reason to keep doing this? Everybody is silent, they call the code, and we're done. And it was just this like, oh. we, were, <laughs> we worked so hard. We worked so dang hard. <laughs> and, you know, the, the QRT, uh, the two dudes that we brought with us were in the ER, and they hear that, and they're like, well, th- that was that was kind of rude. Like, you know, are they supposed to, you know, just stop it that quick? And it's like, well, hang on, you know, and so we're kind of backing up and having to comfort them. Right. Right. They don't deal with this interaction very often. Right. That was my crazy cardiac call. It was, it was nothing could go right. And we ended up, um, this was probably three months later. It got pulled for case review with our, of course, um, physician advisor, which, you know, is always super fun to have your right chart, blown up on a screen and everybody gets to look at what you wrote. Mm -hmm. Um, So Gabe and I are in the room while uh, our physician advisor, who's not the same doctor that was on my medical control that day is reading it. And she's like, I pulled this one just because I couldn't believe all the stuff that happened. And she's just like giggling as she's reading. And then they tried this. Nope. Couldn't happen. And then they tried (laughs) this. Nope. And so she's like teasing us, but at the same time going, these guys really went above and beyond, tried to do everything possible for right. this guy, and they did a great job documenting why they couldn't do each thing. Because if you look at this, you go, they ran a code for a half hour with no no drugs, right? Yeah. Until it's still got a know, 25 minutes into it, right? Like what, you know, so that draws some red flags on the charting software. Plus right? he was, even though he had medical problems, only 50 exactly. or 55 or yeah. whatever you said, still really young for mm-hmm. cardiac arrest. Right. Very so. savable. Yep. And he's presenting in a shockable rhythm, which right. is one of those, you know, big, big things that uh, they like to see. And 
I still feel worn out talking about it. Oh, know? I can imagine. <laughs> like, so a couple questions for you. Uh, and I don't know. I haven't done this in years, but yeah. had you got the intubation, mm-hmm. is there any protocols to, to epi and lido down the tube? Did that back in the day? We used to do that. And that stopped. With the easy IO drill, probably. Right. Yeah. I mean, it stopped about it at least 10 years ago, it seems like. Probably about 10 years ago, I would say. Um, we just stopped doing any, like, they took it out of our protocols and it's not even a dose. could have done? I probably could have done that and right. called in and said, hey, what do you think? I yeah. mean, nothing else is That's your right. own access. Yeah. Right. Um, we didn't even, that wasn't even, uh, something we thought about, but it was so crazy. You know, bariatric calls pose so many challenges. They do. I mean, number one, you're, you've got the social stigma of, okay, here's mm-hmm. this big, big dude. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I've seen it uh, where the level of care decreases because the sense of worth is not there. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and so you try to combat that within yourself and to... And to make sure everyone is, hey, we got to keep going on this. We got to do everything we can. I know he's very large, but if we need to transport, we need to transport. Mm-hmm. And so you immediately, with us, when we have a big patient like that, we have someone already setting up for extrication, even if it's you know there's a possibility we're not going to go, just because that's a long process. Yeah, and it's not safe for us because of our backs and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So difficult. Yeah, super difficult, especially out in the rural area with limited help. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. And I think it was a good call to do the king and not mess around with RSI right. on Absolutely. a coding patient. Right. There's so many Variables. things that could happen, but a king is a sure thing. Yeah. Or a superglottic airway, whatever mm-hmm. you used. Exactly. The sure thing. Yeah. It would have been great to have an eye gel back then. Yeah. It would have been. We wouldn't have had the conversation we had about RSI at that point. I don't think it would have just been ah, eye gel. Put it in. Yeah, right. Just, just put it in. We're done. And but there was this. 45 second chat about right yeah should we should we uh, probably not we ended up i think you know as, as horrible as it sounds i think we kept him alive an extra five minutes by not doing that in, in hindsight being 2020 but yeah so is there anything you would have done differently had that happened today same call um i mean this is me being cynical i wouldn't have let gabe search for that IV after the IO attempts, you know, it would have just been a, we would have ended it a little quicker and it would have been a lot less hassle. Um, not being cynical and being probably my PC answer would be, I don't know that we would have done a whole lot differently. Everything that I can think of doing differently, it's, it's like out in left field, right? It's way out there. Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Nothing, nothing comes to mind at least. I feel like it was lucky that you guys had that many people on scene being in a rural area. I feel like most of the time you would get maybe, what is a QRT? Quick response team. Quick response team. Mm -hmm. You might get like an engine with three people Mm -hmm. and a a ambulance. So you might have five max on a call like that. I feel like we're pretty lucky with the QRTs we have because we get a lot of people on scene way more often than not. Mm -hmm. And the, the running joke is you get 12 people on scene and you get 15 rigs on scene. Like somehow they come with multiple vehicles with yeah. one or less people in them. And you're like, how the heck? Because parking is always a, you know, yeah. and staging your rig is always interesting because you're, you're just going around pickup trucks and vans and, oh, there's an engine, you know, but they're all 
people responding from home. There's a handful of people that stay in the stations depending on the department. But yeah, no, we're, we're, we're very lucky to have the ones we have. That would have been an interesting, uh, transport, I guess, if you only had yeah. four or five people, it would have been really hard to get him in the rig. Right. Yeah. I mean, we probably, at that point, we probably would have called for more of our own resources to mm-hmm. come out there. Um, and then at that point, we would have also seen where we were at with, you know, rhythms and pulses and pressures. And But yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Okay. So that's, that's Steve's, you know, crazy cardiac call. Dan, I'm, I'm looking forward to the one you've got. I don't think mine's nearly as interesting. Oh, come on. But let's see. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I you can was, always add details. We'll never yeah, know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was working on a helicopter out in, out in, uh, high desert and it was the middle of winter time and I was working, um, obviously with a nurse. And we get called to a cardiac arrest up on the pass. So you said obviously with a nurse because because you're on a helicopter, you've got nurse, a pilot, pilot nurse, critical medic. care nurse, critical care medic. Yep. Okay. And it's safe to say I'm in charge. Naturally. So yeah, <laughs> your presence is commanding. Right. right. Yeah. And so uh, they had activated us prior to their arrival uh, because they had a little bit of a drive to get up there. So. We arrived about five minutes after they had, and police had been, you know, they're in a pass. They had their own AEDs, so they it was at a rest area. Elderly gentleman in his eighties, and so they drug him out of the bathroom because he he coded in the bathroom. Normal sized guy, maybe maybe one eighty, one ninety. Um, he has a heart history, okay, uh, which. I did. I didn't know about this until we got him in the helicopter. Yeah. Um, and so uh, they shocked him once. The police shocked him. Police shocked, shocked him, him once. Yep, wow. Got him back into normal science rhythm. No way. Yep. Or with a pulse. I don't know if it's normal. Cause wow. So EMS gets there. Started an IV. Uh, gave some amiodarone. Have him on the monitor. Nothing. Okay. Cool. So now let's get him ready to get in the helicopter. And so we're on the. We're on the east side of the pass. The west side of the pass is cloudy, foggy. So we're going to a good hospital on our side. Um, get the patient loaded, and we're uh, mixing up an amiodarone drip, getting all this stuff ready to go. Look at the monitor. The monitor looks all right. We have about maybe an 18-minute flight to the hospital. And so... Uh, I'm sitting in, uh, I'm sitting in the seat that's directly above him. So I'm looking down and I'm looking at his chest and, you know, some old people, <laughs> you know, I'm getting up there. So I <laughs> have funky looking chest. Okay. Well, this dude had a funky looking chest. Okay. Wow. I don't know. Maybe that's a war injury or something. I don't know. And, uh, he goes into V-fib again. I go, oh, okay. Well, we should probably so start CPR. That's a funky looking chest. Well, I'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> Okay. And so I stand up because the nurses is getting ready to shock the patient and I go down to start to start CPR. And this dude has no sternum. So he was born without one? Yeah. Oh wow. So okay. No sternum. I'm seeing this oh this protrusion that's bulge, which is his heart. That's his oh, heart. My. And, and so I you know, I put my hand on it and it's like remember AMT basic yeah. class when you were you were f- afraid to touch the the person that you were doing the assessment on. 
it was kind of like that. It's like I'm gingerly touching this guy. Like, oh my gosh, there's this. It's his heart. Yeah. You know, I don't want to touch him. Right. But I've got to get pumping on that thing. Mm -hmm. And so I put my hand over it, and you know, of course, in my mind, I think I can feel it fibrillating, right? Which, Mm -hmm. of course, I can't. (laughs) Just the vibration of the helicopter van (laughs) and my own hand shaking, right? Right. (laughs) So I'm pumping away, and I think, oh man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this heart explode. And please shock, please shock, get him out of this. And so she goes, clear, clear. She shocks. And of course, the heart looks really weird in my mind. Like it's, it gets really, really big mm-hmm. in my mind. Yeah. And then yeah. it goes back down to normal. And then I can see it pumping. No way. I can see it through the skin. And it's creepy. Like, and I touch it. And sure enough, it, it's a heartbeat. Yeah. And, um, how did you document that pulse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was it a carotid? Was it anterior <laughs> sternal pulse? Yeah. Wow. And so, uh, the shock worked. And what, um, we were about eight minutes out from the hospital at that point. And so the amiodarone drip is going. Um, I'm just hoping and praying that he does not, he does not go back into, mm-hmm. uh, V-fib. And so, so we, Real quick, you did an amiodarone drip because you got him back with amiodarone or because he was in a rhythm uh, that Because EMS had given him uh, amiodarone on scene. So okay. they gave him 300 of amiodarone on scene. So you're giving him like 150, 150 over 10? 150 over 10. Okay. Yep. Follow your protocols. Follow your local <laughs> protocols, yes. Did he get epi too? He got epi on scene. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't give him any because we were able to shock him out. Okay. Um, so it's about seven to eight minutes until we arrive at the hospital. And so we, we give an update to the hospital. We let him know what we have, you know, due to uh, sternum. Uh, <laughs> yes. oh, well, yeah. Say that again? What? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. And so you know what they're doing. It's just like you said, the, the people start massing yes. in the cardiac bay. Yeah. So they're massing because they want to see this. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're on approach to the hospital, and there he goes, back into V-Fit. <sighs> oh, no. So I start CPR again, and I'm pumping on the heart. It just feels super weird doing mm-hmm. that. And, uh, she shocks, come off. So she shocks, still, still be fit. So keep going. And so now I own, the, I own the compressions because I know what's going on and I. Well, you're the pro at this point. Right. I exactly. Mean, I don't want someone else's. The nation's, right. you know, sternumless compression guy is. Right. right <laughs> I'm there. Right in that yeah. now. You have his heart, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> And so there's there's all these people at the cardiac bay, and I'm I'm doing these gingerly compressions that are seem to be working okay. Is then tidal staying up there all right? Okay. So we get inside, and uh, uh, the doc takes the the patches and moves them because at that time we were still doing we were doing uh, four lead. Yeah, no. white right smoke over fire. Oh no, what am I trying to say? Like anterior Ant- placement. Yeah, anterior lateral for your pads. Yeah, you can't see. Okay, so yeah. so you change them right to anterior shoulder, posterior. Left right. side. Okay, and so now it's it's anterior posterior, and so she put okay. anterior posterior directly over the heart. Oh, interesting. And shocked one time, bam, right back in the sinus rhythm. Shut up. Yeah, and wow. uh, yep, and um, obviously you know the guy had been down long enough that he. He passed, mm-hmm. but it was an amazing uh, experience. <laughs> <laughs> Something I've never seen or 
probably won't see I mean, it again. You were a few millimeters away from like an internal cardiac massage on this guy. Right. Yeah. Which Holly and I Which have done. we have done. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Um, your sternumless guy made me think of a buddy of mine in high school, born without a sternum. And no joke, he took a video of himself in the morning. He could lay on his back, grab a spoon, grab some milk and some Lucky Charms, no. fill up his sternum with a bowl of cereal and eat out of it. <laughs> that was his famous trick. That is the best. Yeah, he, he, he took a crappy situation and, you know, made good out of it. So, Wow. That was all I could think about. It's the 80-year-old version of this guy. Right. Yeah. But it was pretty... Pretty funky to see this guy without a shirt on, you know, at sports practice. And like, how, got, how much? Is... I mean, it definitely wasn't the size of a cereal bowl depth. But I mean, you know, and you guys can't see my hands right now, but it was, I don't know, half of a cereal bowl, maybe. So it I mean, was it concave. Was yeah, his chest was. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. It was very interesting. Um, and he said that over as he gets older that indentation is potentially going to get worse. That was one of the things he was told. Wow. Yeah. As like his muscle atrophies and, you know, he gets really old. You would think that they would be able to add something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure about that, but yeah, you would think. That's all I got, sir. I know. (laughs) I'm thinking, so with this guy, he got epi, he got amiodarone, he was on a drip, went into cardiac arrest again. CPR. Did you guys consider doing an epi drip at that time just to keep things at that level? But you have a short transport too. Short transport. So you can't really. No, but we could have used uh, push dose. Mm-hmm. So that's what we do now. It's just yeah. push dose, little aliquots. Mm-hmm. Just keep things going. We call them bumps. Bumps. Yeah, just give them a little bump. Yeah. Aliquot sounds cooler. I don't know. It, for me, it sounds like street drug ish. Yeah, just give them another bump. You know? <laughs> You're always living on the edge. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we've got for you guys today. Those were two crazy calls. I feel worn out and I need a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cigarette and a hard drink. Um, some amiodarone. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're going to leave it there. That was, um, two stressful calls that were labor intensive and time intensive. And, you know, as we were talking about earlier, Dan, I think even though these both had negative outcomes, it's very fair to say that their outcome was determined far before we ever got there. Absolutely. Yeah. Anywho, I appreciate both your guys' time. It was fun. And, uh, we'll see you on the next one. We're going to chat about, uh, my craziest call trauma, my craziest call airway, uh, down the road. So, It'll be a fun series to keep okay. to keep doing as we move along. Sounds good. All right. We'll see you guys soon.